Welcome to As Told Here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are. Welcome to Midlife Matters, where we celebrate women's wisdom and wit. I'm Georgiane Lucy, your host, and I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Sandy Lavoie, who is Senior Vice President of Community Services at CW Resources in New Britain, Connecticut, and at Midlife has developed a passion for horses. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you. And tell us about working at CWR 24 years. 24 years, indeed. Um, I started back in 97, mm -hmm. and I was brought on board as a program director and worked my way through a number of positions, and now I am the senior vice president of our rehab division. Um, it has been a wonderful experience. We are an organization headquartered in New Britain, Connecticut, deeply rooted, and we provide services to people with disabilities. Our mission is to help folks find and keep employment and to help them develop the skills necessary to live an independent life. Mm -hmm. uh, we are now in 25 states and also provide um, some work opportunities in DC. Mm -hmm. So we have grown tremendously. Within my role, I'm involved in providing the direct oversight of our rehab division. Mm -hmm. uh, we are in six different program locations here in Connecticut. We serve today roughly 350 individuals every day, coming into work, coming in to receive services, again, to help them to develop the skills necessary to live independently and to work independently. So many of our viewers may not be familiar with CW Resources. Let's take a little look back at the organization, mm -hmm. as I understand it, and I'm serving on the board at this time, and that's a wonderful way we mm -hmm. got to meet. It started really in a Quonset hut. It did. So that's not a myth, that's true. That is true. By concerned parents who wanted opportunities for their children. Yes. Similar to other uh, organizations like ours, parents really were desperate mm -hmm. to find something constructive for their children with disabilities to do. And so CW started in a Quonset hut. I was not there then. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that. It was back in 1964. I was born, but, but, not, quite, okay. but not quite old enough to work. Parents had an opportunity to uh, go to some of the local businesses mm -hmm. and to talk to the businesses about uh, work that those businesses did to give their children an opportunity to work. And that really was the foundation for a number of organizations like ours. Mm -hmm. We then outgrew that space and moved probably to another three or four locations in New Britain. Uh, again, that's why we're very, very deeply rooted. The building we're in now um, was a former Stanley building. Uh, Stanley has given us work throughout the years, which has been great, and it's wonderful to be in one of their buildings, which was rehabbed for us in the mid-90s. And it is a lovely building. It is. It is. I, and I've gotten to see some of the work, so again, to help people picture it, um, I know you do a lot with military in terms of parts, right? So ear protection devices? Ear plug inserters. So okay. CW Resources is a large Ability One uh, contractor, if you will. The Ability One program is n nationwide, um, and it is designed to um, help companies like ours leverage contracts. Uh, so we are on military bases where we do a number of custodial projects. Uh, landscaping. Mm -hmm. We do commissary work for commissaries across the country. 
Uh, we also, um, in our facilities, bring some of the work in for folks to work on. Uh, we, we are, and this is, I think, one of the, the I, I believe it's a great thing because we touch every single military man and woman across the country. We are the sole packager of the bead chain. Okay. So every single bead chain that somebody has around their neck mm -hmm. has been packaged and touched by one of the folks that we support and serve. Well, that is something to be proud of. It is. And I know at Christmas time it's wonderful because in the past at least you've had people con counting wreaths and packing wreaths. And we do. That's another project that they Absolutely. get involved with. Yes. I think through some of the other... Um, community-based organizations perhaps and I believe it's the Rotary Club okay and there's a number of wreaths that come in and our folks will apply the the garnish if you will on mm -hmm. the wreath yeah. and then they're put into the bags and then they're sold mm -hmm. so that's a great it does smell very nice and Christmassy around yes. that time we also have some other commercial projects that um, we're working on mm -hmm. uh, packaging of spicing package of a variety of different parts for for local businesses Usually, if there's work to be had and our folks can do it, we would we would like to have them do that. Coffee, indeed. Okay. River Valley uh, Products is mm -hmm. also in New Britain, so we do have two locations in New Britain, and we package coffee for the military. Again, smells very good when you go in there. It does. I had to suit all up, but it was well worth it to see that very impressive, really high tech process. Absolutely. Weighing, packaging. Mm -hmm getting ready for shipping. What would you say element of CW resources is? I mean, you have some people who probably are not going to be able to leave a very uh, controlled environment, correct, in terms of their skill base. So they need to be more in a situation where they have someone right with them, mm -hmm. assisting them. And then you have people, as you talk about, with the custodial mm -hmm. and perhaps commissary. Are they in more like an independent role? Really depends. Mm -hmm. We work with folks with a number of disabilities. Some individuals may have physical limitations mm -hmm. or challenges that they're they're overcoming. Uh, we have individuals with learning disabilities, mm -hmm. uh, intellectual disabilities, um, who are legally blind but have some usable vision. Mm -hmm. Some may have no vision. Uh, folks who are deaf or hearing impaired. So it really depends upon the level of support that they need to be successful. Right. Some of the individuals that we have worked with and placed in a business out in the wider community may only see a support staff once a month just Wonderful. to do a check-in. Yeah. And some people may need a little more support, mm -hmm. uh, may need uh, guidance in terms of when the break time is, when they need to go back to work, mm -hmm. um, what's next on the task to-do list because yeah. they may not be able to remember what, what the next step mm -hmm. is. And we can provide that support and step in so they can do their, their job successfully. And I believe there's about 2,000 employees, right? Very close to 2,000, yeah. yes. Yes, uh, the majority of whom have disabilities. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how was CW affected by COVID? Mm -hmm. Or how did CW cope with COVID? CW never closed, I can okay. tell you that. Um, there were some programs, uh, those where most of the individuals would come in and stay to do work during the day, that we did close for services, mm -hmm. though we still ha were operating a number of our contracts throughout the country and not just in Connecticut. Um, for those contracts that we needed to continue to do, custodial work being one of them, very critical right. in, in the COVID time and still still very critical. Uh, when, when some of the individuals we supported could not do that job because mm -hmm. they were remaining home, our staff stepped up and did, did the jobs for them. Okay. So we were 
at that point in survival mode, mm -hmm. needing to make sure that those jobs were done as contracted, but also those jobs remained viable for those individuals that we support right. when they came back. So for like services. holding the job for them, essentially. Absolutely. absolutely. Our staff were absolutely amazing. Some traveled very far to get to an assignment to do the work. Okay. It was, it, I think for them and for us as an employer, they realized what potential they had mm -hmm. and how they were able to work through this crisis. Um, we also, and I, and I should have mentioned this earlier, we're also a very large Meals on Wheels provider. Uh, so we have a food services division mm -hmm. which prepares packages the meals and then we have individuals deliver them to the homebound residents. So that was critical at, at this point in time too. So the staff that typically would support an individual to deliver the meal was now doing that job as well. Mm -hmm. And there were times that our staff would um, approach a department building and there would be signs posted on the building that state there's a, a COVID positive case inside. And so our staff really rose above and beyond and continued to go into those buildings and deliver meals to people who needed them. And from my understanding, the COVID rate at CW was lower than, say, the state average. So all of the protocols yes. that you as a management group put in place seem to have been very effective. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of protecting people. Absolutely. So that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. As we began to open up our program facilities and more people were coming back mm -hmm. to, to program and to work, um, we developed some strategies that I think some may have been unique. Um, some of our larger buildings that had many points of egress, mm -hmm. we had certain entrances that some employee, employees would go in and they'd stay on a certain side of the building and others would come in and out through another door and stay on another side of the building. So we really worked hard to keep people separate, continue to do that. It's, mm -hmm. it can, it's a challenge. Sure. I'm sure many, many businesses are dealing with those challenges. Um, we also provided areas for people to have a mask break, for, mm -hmm. to wear a mask for, you know, the full eight hours a day is, right. is very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so we were trying to provide some accommodations where we could, but understanding that, that people need to keep themselves safe and certainly those we support and serve with disabilities, some of whom are compromised medically, needing to keep them safe and, and as healthy as we can as well. And just in general, working with the government has layers of compliance issues, right? Yes, regulations, and so that's a big part of Again, you as a member of the senior management team, mm -hmm. working with that, whether it's federal, state, mm -hmm. and I'm sure there's some local issues as well. So good for you folks. And we are approaching some new uh, challenges to overcome with some of the federal requirements and state requirements. And should we mandate vaccines and how will that all work? Yes. And, and juggling of staff. So it's, it's yes, lots of, lots of challenges to uh, overcome ahead of us. Now, your first career was with Goodwill Industries, mm -hmm. and so what influenced your career choices? Take us back to then. Okay, so that's back in 1985. Okay. When I started uh, in the field of disability employment. Um, I, at that point, graduated um, with a degree in sociology, and like every new college graduate, is out looking for work. Uh, and I was offered the job at Goodwill Industries. And at that point, I was... Uh, the position, I think, was called developmental specialist, and I would work with an individual uh, with a disability and bring them back into a specific area, if you will, where my, my space was, and help that person to learn 
some life skills. Mm -hmm. I can remember very vividly trying to teach people how to write out checks, mm -hmm. what a bill might look like, um, identifying the due dates on the bill, um, how to balance a checkbook. Um, very different today. I yep. think if I were doing that today, it would be probably transferring money from your account using Venmo to pay, right. pay, a, pay a provider or, or someone else. Um, so I worked with Goodwill for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, I, after that role, I became a case manager, and I helped to develop the goals for individuals, what they wanted to achieve and accomplish. Uh, and then I became a uh, program manager, and I worked in both our Springfield and Hartford operation. So in terms of the career itself, I fell into it. In my coursework, I probably did not take a class on people with disabilities. Um, I, I was learning about people and behaviors of people, but that job certainly has shaped my career incredibly. And here I am some 30-something years later mm -hmm. still in the field. So it, it has certainly had a, a profound effect on me. And what trends have you witnessed in those years in terms of social services in general? Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. Um, funding. I think the funding for services has changed, uh, sometimes for the better um, and then sometimes for the worse because we have endured cuts over the years. A lot of the funding our organization and sister organizations receive is through um, Medicaid, so those are federal dollars. Mm -hmm. um, and when you are using federal dollars, there's a lot of compliance issues. So I have absolutely seen uh, very stricter uh, requirements as it relates to documentation. Um, service descriptions have been redesigned and mm -hmm. uh, similar to the medical world, if you don't provide the said service on a person's plan, you shouldn't be billing for that service. So there's a lot of compliance that goes into making sure we're documenting correctly, uh, establishing the goals and working towards the goals in the individual's plans. We're talking about trends in social services, and it sounds like there's a fair amount of bureaucracy load that has only increased. Absolutely. It has absolutely increased. Compliance is um, in an incredible to accomplish, mm -hmm. um, what's documented, how you document it, when you document it. Um, in the past, the documentation would not have to be as stringent as it is now. Mm -hmm. um, the, the different elements of it, the date, the, the making sure you're using the pen, having the person's full name, mm -hmm. um, writing down exactly what's happened in terms of the goals that they, they are working on and what they've done for the day. Um, being very detailed about any incidents that may have occurred. Uh, the training requirements has also become um, much more overwhelming for the folks that, that we employ, for a good thing, good reason, yeah. most certainly. But the time that it takes to, to get all those trainings done mm -hmm. is very uh, long and intensive. Uh, and it's hard to do when, as a provider, you're expected to bill for services and when you do that billing you need to be providing the face-to-face -face services so the training that we need to provide to our staff is on those off hours so it becomes very costly mm -hmm. let's talk about how you studied for your masters while as a working mom because i'm sure that's inspirational too and awesome in terms of people that are um, tuning in 
how did you manage and what advice would you give to other women? Hmm. Hmm. Yes, at CW, uh, I was advancing in my career and I had the opportunity to, to uh, get my master's degree and I'm very glad that I did. At first, it was, um, it was a challenge for me to think about doing it, but I decided I would just jump in. I did take one course at a time, mm -hmm. which I think was very wise given what was going on in my career. And having two young boys at home um, and, and my husband, um, who really, uh, you know, in terms of going, my going back to school, he had to be the uh, sole care provider, mm -hmm. making the dinners and all that stuff, which was, which was great. I would advise anybody who's considering going back to school to just do it. I think there's always an excuse not to do something. Mm -hmm. Taking that first step, I think, is the most important one. And then once you start doing it and you realize that it's probably not as bad as you thought it was mm -hmm. going to be, the rest becomes a little bit easier. The coursework itself, um, some of it was very challenging, um, which is good. Mm -hmm. I think some of it was challenging for me particularly. Um, I never saw myself as a public speaker, and okay. a lot of the courses that I did, you needed to do presentations or group presentations, mm -hmm. um, and that really, really helped me. And have you found that in your role at now at CW that you need to be able to give presentations, whether you're in meetings or conferences? Absolutely. So all of that master's Absolutely. work really helped with that? It has. I just, uh, last week it was um, with the Disability In Group that I'm a, a board member of, uh, did a presentation with a, another board member mm -hmm. about COVID and how our businesses handled coming back to work, reopening our doors. And I would think also for women who are contemplating going back to school, getting a, a, whether it's a, a master's or certification or other credentials, mm -hmm. there's a certain security that you're building for yourself in terms of career options mm -hmm. because we don't have control over everything that happens. Um, Absolutely. We think we're on one path and sometimes life happens and things shift. Mm -hmm. And the more, I believe, the more that you can have as showing you're a learner and continuing to stay in school. In my HR role, I advise people looking at their resume, like show that within the last year you've done something, whether you took a webinar mm -hmm. or um, just add to your toolkit. Absolutely. I, I think you're never too old to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, you need to be open to learning, listening to new ideas. And COVID at this point, I think, is what, uh, an example of what you were talking about. You don't know what's going to happen. Many people are out of work as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Businesses have closed or have not reopened. Uh, people were laid off and are looking for opportunities. So now might be a, a time to actually go back to school or, or get a certificate or learn something mm -hmm. new. Um, it, it, it's always an important, I, I think, thing to do for yourself yes. and, and for your business um, if you can uh, help your business excel as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about horseback riding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so as I understand, on your 50th birthday, your husband gave you some horseback riding lessons as a present, so he must have known that you had interest from an earlier time. Mm-hmm. Correct? That is correct. So growing up, we... We did not have horses, but where I grew up, way in the back, there was a field and a, a neighbor had a horse. So okay. I would often go back and uh, stand by the fence and, and, you know, feed the horse some grass. And I'd ride my bike to where there was another farm that had horses. So it's always been an interest of mine. I mm -hmm. never, as a child, thought about doing horseback riding. Just never crossed my mind. Um, 
but throughout the years um, I've done some trail riding with groups of people mm -hmm. and uh, during family vacations which is really huge for our family a couple of times I said, said to my husband in the voice let's go horseback riding mm -hmm. so he's he knows certainly that I have that interest so he did get me a gift certificate for four lessons okay and once I took those lessons, I never stopped. Never looked back. Ne never. never looked back. Well, occasionally I might look back to see if there's something <laughs> behind me. But I started leasing a horse, um, continued with lessons, and mm -hmm. still continue with lessons today. I, I think that's extremely important. And now have owned a horse for three years. Wonderful. It's been a wonderful experience. And I have some familiarity, as we've discussed, mm -hmm. with the horse world. And I do think the continual learning... That's, you know, to be a disciplined rider and to be safe, to be in tune with the horse. Oh, absolutely. It really enhances other aspects of your life mm -hmm. in addition to the physical mm -hmm. uh, experience. Uh, absolutely. I, I probably am more fit than I have ever been. Okay. Um, I, I do ride almost every day after work. Mm -hmm. I think that grounds me. Yeah. It provides, um, I think, certainly a different perspective about who I am. Um, the connection with the animal is amazing. Developing that connection, and still to this day, I mean, three years is a lot of time, but still developing that relationship. Mm -hmm. It centers you, I think, physically and, and emotionally. And, you know, one of the things um, that the trainer said to me recently is just focus on where you are. Don't focus on what's going on in the arena, but focus on what you're doing with your horse, mm -hmm. your partner, and, and that. So you got to stay within that, that bubble, and that makes you a, a better rider. You have to be in that moment. And as I understand it, you gain a sense, or you need to have a sense of the space, including the horse. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean... <laughs> There's other horses in the there's, ring. Yes. There's practical issues such as that. But that's the whole oneness with the partnership, mm -hmm. that you're not just solitary. You actually are in concert with. Absolutely. And women's friendships are so important, particularly, you know, as we age, we get in different mm -hmm. stages, and we rely on our friends uh, throughout. So I would imagine, I know a lot of women are interested in horseback riding, mm -hmm. and you reference some of your friends. So has, that must be a rich part of the experience. Absolutely, it is. There's a, a barn family spirit, mm -hmm. if you will, um, and of all ages. It's not just yep. women. It's, it's children, too, that come and ride, and mm -hmm. you, can, you can help teach them. It is a real community at the barn. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's wonderful. It is. So onward with the horseback riding. Forever. Absolutely. Yes, it's great. And, you know, as we age, we do reflect, we can reflect on our journey, um, identify key decisions mm -hmm. we made and um, influences. So what advice would you give your younger self at, say, age 25? I would tell myself to slow down, not be in such a hurry to get to the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, I am a person still. I have a hard time relaxing. Mm -hmm. I always need to be doing something. If I'm not, I'm thinking about what I should be doing. Um, so perhaps at 25, have I had I slowed down a little bit, um, I would have done more things, maybe traveled a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, experienced a little bit more uh, that would help me grow at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so just uh, appreciating what you have while you have it. And what about around age, say, 40? Any other advice around that? Because yeah. at that point, I think women start to experience that social message around you're no longer the, the girl. 
you're kind of entering into the mid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, probably uh, to let things go a little bit easier okay. and to not, not feel the weight of the world. You, you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. You can ask for help. Um, and you should be able to accept help when somebody offers to help. Um, and, you know, letting things, letting things roll. Okay. That's wonderful advice. And echoes what I've heard from other women on the show as well. So be kinder to ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, many women, you know, they look back and say I was very driven. Um, that's a good thing. It is. However, you know, that perspective that we get as we're able to look back. Being driven, I think, is important. If, if you're not, sometimes you're stalled, and, mm -hmm. and that's not always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you need to look forward to something. I think you need to plan, have goals, um, and figure out how you want to get there, but also not be so hard on yourself if, if you're not able to get there when you think you should have. Yes, on some timeline that you set for yourself. Right. Or comparing yourself to others. Right. Deadly sin. Just adjust it. Tomorrow's a whole new day, and yeah. start all over again. Yeah. Plan B, or there's like 24 other letters in the alphabet, right? Right, exactly. And do you have a favorite quote or someone or something that inspires you? I have a couple quotes. Okay. Um, Maya Angelou, and I'll probably not get it exact. Okay. But it's something to the effect of people will not remember what you said. People will not remember what you did. But people will remember how you made them feel. And I think that's extremely important. Uh, and a lot of, I think, what we see even in social media around is just, just be kind, you know, just be sensitive to other folks, acknowledge them, just be kind. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is um, Cesar, I'm going to probably butcher his name, okay. Pavese. Okay. Uh, and his very simple quote is, we do not remember days, but we remember moments. And it really is the moments that matter, like the horseback riding. Mm -hmm. It is that moment that you get the next move down because you've practiced and you've worked on it. That's the moments you remember. Um, the moments you create for loved ones, mm -hmm. um, whether it is a simple thank you or, or a special gift or a call or, or uh, with our family, it is big family vacations. Mm -hmm. um, it is creating those memories for ourselves. As we age, we can look back at them and, and appreciate them, but also for the younger ones mm -hmm. so they they remember those moments and also have stuff to look forward to as they, they grow. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sandy, very much for being a guest. Thank you. And please tune in to hear other fascinating women on future segments of Midlife Matters. I'm Georgianne Lucier, your host, and thank you for joining us. Thanks to our local producers and Team Hercules for production support. As told here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are.